You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. Let's just pray. Yes, Father, thank you for your unending goodness to us. Thank you that you do actually pursue us with your love through all the days of our life, just like the psalmist said. And thank you that we have so much to praise you for. And now as we come to look at your word and what you're saying to us through it this morning, give us open hearts and open our understanding so that we're not only hear it and sort of be able to quote it, but actually live by it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, this is the third in our series called The Christian Survival Guide. And uh, for this, we are actually in the Gospel of John, and we're looking at the words of Jesus to his disciples on the night that he is actually betrayed and, and is going to be arrested, and then, of course, the following day will be crucified. So actually, this is immediately before Jesus is leaving his disciples, and he knows that they are about to have all their dreams completely shattered. And we have had, so far, two sermons on this particular series, uh, beginning at John chapter 14. Well, we've had, in fact, one and a half sermons on the subject of trusting God. That was the, the first one was all about trusting him, trust that brings peace. And then there was more about trusting last week, also along with the whole concept of actually living with God. You know, in my father's house are many rooms, there's room for everybody. And how my father and I will come and make our dwelling with you. So actually that subject of living with God. Um, and now today, as Jackie's already told us, we're looking at provision through petition. I'm just going to read um, one or two verses from chapters 14 to 16. We haven't time to read all of them, good as that would be. But first of all, we're in chapter 14, and we're getting down to uh, verse, let me see, yeah. Verse 9, after Philip has asked Jesus and said, could you just show us the Father? Jesus' reply is, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And then we move on to chapter 15, where Jesus is talking about how he's the vine and we're the branches. And obviously for a branch to be fruitful, it needs to be firmly rooted in the vine, otherwise it can't bear fruit. And we go to verse seven originally. Yeah. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. 
This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And then moving on to verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And then we move on in chapter 16 to verses 23. Now, in fact, I'm going to start at 22. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Right. Now, these are what you might call tricky verses. Some Christians go absolutely overboard on them to the extent that, you know, if I want a new blue dress, I can ask God and he will sort of send it for me. Other people, because bitter experience has told them that it didn't work out quite the way they thought, think that, oh, this is all just rubbish. And so we'll keep our prayers as general as possible. And it's one of the tragedies that so many Christians miss out on the, on the vital prayer relationship we can have with God, either because they're praying so generally that nobody could possibly say whether those prayers got answered, or else because they're praying very specifically but incredibly selfishly, and then surprised when God doesn't turn up to do their will. As with all scripture, certainly when it comes to verses like these, the key is you must read in context. The old saying, you know, a text out of context is a pretext, a bit of a complicated saying, but basically when you come to read the verses in the Bible, don't just pluck them out and then shout them in a vacuum. You need to be looking at the context in which these things are said. Who was talking? To whom were they talking? What was the circumstance? What was the background? And when you get that sort of background picture, then you'll begin to find that things begin to make more sense. Whereas if you just pluck them out of the air, then I say you, you either find yourself running up a blind alley, or maybe you just think, oh, well, it doesn't work. Now, let me get my little thing out here. These verses have been misunderstood, misquoted, and horribly misapplied by a great many preachers. When I was um, preparing for this sermon, I, I did a bit of flicking around in YouTube. I heard some of them. And then I hear other people who are trying to counteract what the dodgy preachers are saying. So let's just start with what people sometimes understand and need to get rid of. First of all, some people have an idea that it's a bit like those fairy tales. You know, like Cinderella, she's sitting there in the rags, and then along comes the fairy godmother. And suddenly, she's in a ball gown, and she's off to the ball, and everything in the garden is wonderful till midnight when it all stops again. 
Or you know the story of Aladdin, you know, he had this magic lamp, and when he rubbed the lamp, this genie that was somehow trapped inside came out and said, oh, your wish is my command, what three wishes have you got? And then the genie has to do whatever he tells him. Now, some people actually approach God rather like that. They're looking for the, the formula by which they can harness his power to their plans and ideas and ambitions. And really, their prayer life is rather like, um, you know, when the children are making their wish list for Santa Claus. I'd like this, I'd like this, I'd like this and the other. And, you know, um, oh, and then attack on that. What was that phrase, the magic? Oh, yes, in Jesus' name. And so, therefore, it's got to happen. That is not what this teaching is all about. It is not the key to getting God to do our will. So what is the context of this teaching? Well, as we explained at the beginning, this is Jesus talking to his disciples immediately before he knows he's going to have to leave them and he's going to leave them in a way that will utterly baffle them, completely destroy them and leave them thinking that everything has fallen apart and perhaps he isn't who he said he was after all. Because, you know, as we say so often, humanly speaking, if you've come to... Um, redeem the world and put everything right, getting yourself crucified is not the immediate solution we would have thought of because God's ways are higher than our ways. So there, yes, their trust is going to be tested quite a lot in the next few days. But Jesus knows that these men that he's speaking to are going to be the ones who will have to continue his work after his resurrection and after his ascension and when the Holy Spirit comes to fill them and they are going to be going on to continue his work until his return. He knows that they, that that's why he talked them about trusting him because he says, you've got to trust me. This is going to seem very strange. And then he's told them about the importance of actually living with God, living in relationship with him. And he now knows that when he's gone, they're going to have to manage without his physical presence all the time. Up till now, it's been all right, you see. If they were stumped, they could ask Jesus. That time, you know, I mean, they, they have actually already experienced what it is to heal people and cast out demons and preach in his name. But then there were other times, you know, like the time when there was that boy having, um, whose, whose demon didn't yield when the disciples prayed for them. And then Jesus came along and they're saying, why couldn't we cast it out? But they knew that Jesus was there. He was the backup. Now they're going to be on their own. Well, they're not going to be on their own, of course, but it will seem to them like they are. And so now they need the survival guide. They need the tools that will help them to stay faithful and to fulfill the task that's being assigned to them. And so one of the things he says is, don't worry, everything you need for what you have to do will be provided. You aren't going to find yourself in situations where you just haven't got the resources or maybe you haven't, but the resources are going to be there. And this, this is the absolute key thing about this. This is about their ministry 
following on from his ministry. It is all about God's plans, God's glory, Jesus' work. It is not about their car, their house, their career, their wife, their children, um, their dreams and ambitions, and oh, please, God, could I have a holiday while I'm at it? It's not about that. This is about having the resources to do and to be what he has called us to do and to be. And when you begin to read it that way, you begin to get that one of the key phrases is, in my name. And this is what will make the difference. And as I've already said, in my name, in Jesus' name, is not a magic formula for getting what we have thought we would like and would be good for us. And fortunately, not all the prayers we pray do get answered, which is just as well because some of them would be a disaster if God gave us what we wanted. So let me um, come back to this. So to pray in Jesus' name, what does that mean? Well, if you're an ambassador being sent to a foreign country in the name of your sovereign or your president or whatever your particular country has to have, you know, that ambassador, well, so, so for, for example, the British ambassador in any foreign country actually represents the king. I was going to say the queen, it's still a bit of a, a habit from a long life, but you know, he represents the king. He does not have authority. He represents the authority of the nation that's sending him. And so therefore, it's not that um, he has to go with all his solutions and his suggestions. He goes to say what he's been sent to say because he's representing someone else. So when we pray in Jesus' name, we're not trying to harness him to our desires. We are there to pray as he would be praying if he was bodily present with us. And that's a very important difference. And that's why the key is in the relationship with him and with the Father. What he says... Um, just looking back to those, Clive says, don't keep losing your piece of paper. <laughs> Easier said than done. But he said to them, I'm going away, but don't panic. There's lots of room in my father's house. You are going to be living with us. Now that is talking about, to some degree, what happens when we die before we get resurrected, that we're going to be in the father's house. So it is about after death, but it's also now. We live in the Father's house as part of his family. Because Jesus says, when you love me, he says, my Father and I will come to you and we'll make our home with you. We will come and live with you. So actually, when Jesus says, don't you realize the secret of all that I've been doing? It's that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. We're totally at one. And so what I'm doing are the things the Father's telling me to do. The things I'm saying are the words he's given me to say. The miracles that are happening are by the power of the Father who has sent me. And you also are going to have this relationship with the Father through me. Because once, once he has laid down his life, 
and paid the price of our redemption. Once he has defeated death and been raised to life again, and once he has ascended to the right hand of the Father, he's going to send the Holy Spirit, another helper, another one the same as him, who will come and fill us in order to equip us to be his people in this fallen world until he comes again. The key is in the relationship with him and the Father. And the key to praying in Jesus' name is to be so in tune with Jesus' agenda and Jesus' purposes that that's what our hearts desire too. That phrase that um, people often quote from the Psalms, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, is not, well, let's see, can I, can I sort of find some way that I can sh convince God I'm taking delight in him so that I get what I want? No. When your delight is in the Lord, the desires of your heart are in line with his will and his purpose. And so, of course, he's going to grant the petitions that come out of that. But it is in his name, in Jesus' name. It's like if, if you've got a business expenses account, it means that, you know, when you're, if you're entertaining clients or something, the, the firm pays the uh, restaurant bill. If you start deciding that you'll take your family out and you know, you'll, you'll have all your own stuff on that, do you know what they call that? Fraud. It's a form of stealing. You can use your business um, account when it is on business. If you start using it personally, you'll be in court because you're actually a thief. So there, there's the kind of the difference. And that's what it means. When we pray in Jesus' name... Don't try to do that on personal business. You see, we, we can pray, as Jackie was reading earlier, that, that's the thing you saw. Anybody can pray. Anybody can ask God. He's a good father. He delights to hear his children's petitions and requests. But like a good father, he will then decide whether, whether your petitions and requests is something he needs to give you or not. And we have to trust him with that. But when it comes to actually praying Jesus' prayers, that's a very different agenda. Now, I've used this illustration so many times, but I'm going to use it again because it still, for me, helps me most clearly to see this, about how we have the provision for all that we will need through God's provision. So I, I was very blessed with a good father a father who did sort of exemplify a father's care and love and a father's responsibility and a father who was actually prepared to prioritize the needs of his family rather than his own. So I was very, very blessed. And growing up, that brought great security for me. And then when I was 18, I was going off to university, I was leaving home. In other words, dad wasn't gonna be there all the time anymore. I was going to have to learned to stand on my own two feet. It was quite scary. But, you know, even though he wasn't physically present all the time, he was still my provider. And there's three aspects to that which I think we need to get hold of here. In the first place, um, they did have grants in those days as opposed to loans for students, and tuition was free. That's how long ago it was, folks. <laughs> but... Um, but the grants were means-tested, so basically it meant my dad got the bill. Now, I was 
to live in Nottingham, I was in a hall of residence at the university and there was, you know, it was full board. So my, my accommodation, my food, that kind of essential was all provided in the hall of residence. And my dad paid the bill for that. So before I'd even gone away, he had already provided for my absolute basic needs and I didn't have to worry about it because I knew it would be there. And I knew all along, you know, any essential needs, they would be taken care of because my dad had already provided. That is for us, you know, as we are God's children and we're on his business, you will find that he has already provided for us. We don't have to be panicking and worrying. It's what, um, what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, isn't it? You know, don't worry about what, what shall I eat, what shall I drink, what shall I wear. He says the pagans worry about all that. Your father knows you need them. Seek first his kingdom and he'll take care of all that. It comes into perspective. The second way my father provided for me was he gave me a monthly allowance. So this was to cover, you know, the toiletries, the bus fares, biscuits, whatever else I might think I needed. And it was an allowance which was quite adequate for the essentials and adequate enough that if with a bit of careful management and a bit of saving here and there, I could get some other things which were more my desires and petitions. And I was responsible for handling that. And he had taught me certain basic principles of life like don't buy things you haven't got the money for, save up for them first, then you won't be in debt. Very basic principle. And I'm grateful that my dad taught me that. But I was responsible for that. So again, sometimes the way God has provided for us, he's actually given us the equipment. He's given us our gifts, our abilities, our circumstances, and he will provide for us. But we are responsible for how we handle what he's given us. You know, in, in our job, we quite often find that there are people come along to our door who, um, who basically have spent all their money on stuff that wasn't essential and now can't pay their grocery bill, and so they need help. Actually, God expects us to be responsible with what he has supplied. He expects us to live within the limits that he has provided for us and to trust him. That also is good. So again, sometimes our prayers in that regard may be answered. Other times it may be that he's teaching us, well, you need to learn to do things differently. That's fine. I still have all that I need. But then there are the other things unexpected things, emergencies, things that crop up, things that couldn't have been foreseen, or things where my resources, even the ones he has given me, are just not going to be enough. And that's where my father gave me an in my name. He gave me a credit card linked to his bank account so that if I was ever stranded somewhere, I could have access to funds. If there was some unexpected emergency, I wasn't penniless. Or if I needed to come home, you know, because that was one of the things he specific, specifically said, you know, if you need to come home, use that to buy the train ticket. If he was going to give me a Christmas present, you know, he would, he would ask me what I wanted and then he'd say, now you go and choose the coat, the boots, whatever it is buy it on my card. So basically there were certain things for which that card was to be used. It was not for me to go on a spending spree 
And if he had suddenly begun to find that, you know, all sorts of bills were coming in for, you know, restaurant bills or, you know, designer clothes or, or whatever, I think he might have had a few words to say to me about the misuse of his account. But what I did know was that if ever there was a situation where it was appropriate because he'd commissioned me to use it, or it was the kind of emergency that my bank account wasn't going to cope with, I knew that I had access to funds that would cover it. And this is what we need to get hold of. When Jesus says, you can ask the Father anything in my name, he's effectively giving us the card for his bank account. And so if he has said, do this, go there, do whatever, and you sort of think, well, I, ha I haven't got the wherewithal, I haven't got the resources, the wisdom, the, the practicalities, whatever. Okay, well, you've said it, Lord, so please, will you supply me with the money to do it? Will you supply me with the wisdom I need? Will you show me the solution to this problem? And we can trust him to show us. And likewise, you know, if if we've just got to the end of our tether and we say, Lord, I want to do your will, please make it plain. And I'm going to trust you and I'm going to step out in faith that what you have told me to do, you will fund. And I can give you the testimony of this church. We only do what we believe God is telling us to do. But there was a very good principle given to us by someone who came to visit us way back when we were first beginning. It was this, never let the presence or absence of money determine the will of God for you. In other words, just because you can afford to do it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing to do. And equally, if you know God has told you to do it, don't panic that the money isn't there because God is perfectly able to pay his own bills for his own work. And as a church, we have found this all the time. You know, when God has commissioned us to do things, we are able to do it. The money appears. And we're not actually interested in doing stuff he hasn't called us to do, so no problem. So, I suppose that's it, really. God will provide for his work and his purposes in our lives, both personally and as our part of the bigger jigsaw picture. And he will also train us and teach us as he had been doing with these disciples. Up till now, they've been in training with him. They've been his apprentices. They've been seeing what he does. They've been learning the ropes. And now he is actually effectively giving them their own allowance, as it were, and saying, now you go and do what I've given you to do. Use my resources, handle them rightly. Learn and grow and, and you, will, you will become more and more fruitful because that's why the Father's called you, to bear fruit. Not to become rich, not to become famous, not to get everybody doing whatever you want. It is to bear fruit, to become a reflection of his nature in this world. A reflection and a sort of foretaste of the new earth that's coming and the people who are going to be living in it and to be actually training to be one of those. Use that, he says. The resources will be there. And don't worry when you find you're totally out of your depth. I know you will be. But guess what? The father won't be out of his depth. 
and you're coming to him in my name to pray the prayer I would be praying on your behalf if I was here with you. And that prayer will always be answered. <laughs>